Today on the Scott Thompson Show on 900 CHML. One of our favorite guests, Elliot Tepper, Emeritus Professor of Political Science, Carleton University. A new White House report uh, that was issued yesterday attacked China for its predatory economic policies, its military buildup, uh, human rights violations, and disinformation uh, campaigns. To talk more about all of this, Elliot Tepper, Emeritus Professor of Political Science, Carleton University. He is with us now. As always, Elliot, thanks so much for the time. Hope you're doing well. I am. Thank you, uh, Scott, and I hope uh, you and everyone else is doing the right kind of sheltering at home and social distancing and being thoughtful about others. That's a very, very well put, Elliot. Uh, as we start to head down the backside of this curve, uh, many are looking to uh, to make sure this never happens again and how we got to where we are. We've certainly talked about this uh, many times. Uh, obviously, as we've talked uh, many times about, is is the po- the politics that that gets involved here and, and confuses uh, the issue. Uh, but certainly, a twenty page report coming out from the United States, basically saying, uh, "Here's a quote: China's been ruled by a brutal authoritarian regime, a communist regime, since 1949. For several decades, we thought the regime would become more like us through trade, scientific exchange, diplomatic outreach, letting them into the World Trade Organization as a developed." nation that didn't happen he said we greatly underestimated the degree to which Beijing is ideologically and politically hostile to free nations the whole world is waking up to that fact Elliot are we there yet uh, what, what is your thoughts on the statement from uh, the White House it's actually from Mike Pompeo which is yeah Mike Pompeo mm-hmm. the, the uh, I mean it's through the White House but it's Mike Pompeo so correct but but Mike Pompeo was take is becoming the point man on this, and also reciprocally, it's uh, when China is attacking the U.S. It's they're not attacking Trump; they're attacking Pompeo. So that gives a little bit of wiggle room for the two top leaders, if they so choose, uh, to climb down or to to reorient. But what's becoming clear uh, is that politics are now going to overwhelm our discussion of a pandemic that's a threat to the globe. Are we going to be able to come up with sensible, um, realistic, internationally coordinated activity based on what we know scientifically or not? And as this becomes increasingly a uh, an artifact of politics, then the possibility that we will, in fact, grapple with this in a realistic way and in a transparent way by all parties, that does diminish. That being said, what Pompeo said and what I just read, um, how do you digest that? Is he not right? Yes. Uh, a whole range of reactions here. First of all, one of the things that I think you and I have talked about for some time, ever since the arrest of the two Michaels, which seems like a long time ago, and it was, and they are still held under terrible conditions in China, is that China's come into focus, and as it comes into focus, uh, opinion goes from vague and positive to much clearer and much more negative, so that we just had a recent poll uh, saying something to the effect that 86% of Canadians now say, we don't trust what China says about the virus. So we are in a situation where we must have an international response and coordination and transparency, but we have every reason to think that China has been, in fact, not been transparent, has not been cooperative, 
and that in fact is trying to use this uh, crisis to its advantage in saying we've handled it well, look at our superiority as a system, and uh, uh, don't pay attention to those other guys, and the other guys are saying, you know, that's us, <laughs> saying, look what you've done at home. You've silenced the people who were pointing out this was a crisis. You've arrested doctors. Uh, you've let people die. Uh, this crisis came out of China, and China is responsible for its spread. We have a, we have a situation where China does... Remember, let's, let's do on the one hand, on the other hand, in, in a way that I don't think has been focused on much. On the, on the one hand, China has indeed released the genome so that the whole world scientifically could examine it and start to uh, scramble to come up with vaccines and preventatives, and that was done fairly early, and not transparently, but fairly early. On the other hand, we're now hearing from incredible cybersecurity people that China is using their cyber forces to try to um, infiltrate the foreign firms that are coming up with the possibility of vaccines. So you have a loop there of you can't live without them because they yep. are so important for the also the supply chains. Uh, you want a mask? Where are you going to get it from? And uh, ventilators? Oh, sure. Uh, at the same time, they are clearly not a, uh, a uh, respectable and reliable international actor, if I could put that gently. Well, basically what you said is they supplied the disease, they supply the medical facilities to get over it, and then possibly the vaccine. Yes, and, and uh, in doing so, they may well be basically spying on the places that are doing the research on the vaccine in order to be the first ones to come up with it and claim the credit. Uh, and also, you know, play a role, a constructive role, saying, look, the U.S. is a failure, we are a success. So we are into a situation now of of a, maybe a transformative more moment in contemporary international relations where China is truly an emerging power. And there's other aspects of that I'd like to discuss. But they are truly an emerging power. At the same time, they are not uh, coming over as a responsible power at a time of crisis. And, and this gets us into a different layer, level and layer, now both the U.S. and China are using this for their domestic politics in terms of maintenance of the, of the government of the day, the regime of the day. So on the one hand, clearly this is the Communist Party of China, and they bear, bear a lot of culpability, certainly in all kinds of ways. And at the same end, uh, the regime was questioned. I think you and I talked about it, or perhaps it was with Bill in the morning, that we talked about, is this going to be the the moment when the regime is questioned? It, it's once you claim all kinds of uh, full authority, then you bear the responsibility. And was Xi Jinping in trouble because his own country was so badly affected? And he seems to be weathering that at home through the usual means of both oppression and um, propaganda. But the other side of that is the China question is becoming central to the re-election hopes of Donald Trump, yeah. keep, keeping in mind, uh, Scott, that right now the U.S. is by far the largest plague country on Earth. They lead the world in, in the numbers, uh, although you can question numbers elsewhere, but uh, they are leading the world. And uh, how do you get out from that? The economy has crashed. You didn't take the actions necessary, etc. Well, let's blame somebody else. Let's make China a boogeyman, and therefore we look good. This is not a way out of a crisis. 
Uh, that being said, will we fall for that? Will we be able to decipher? Will Canadians of the world be able to decipher between what is politics and, and what is reality? That's you know, why, I mean, it gets to the it gets to the point where if Donald Trump says it, then nobody believes it because Donald Trump rarely tells the truth. So now all of a sudden, if he does hit hit on something that says, you know, China, we should be looking at, is the rest of the world going to say no? China's our friend. We are in the awkward situation where the U.S. has been cutting itself off from the world. Let's stand back a bit and say, okay, where are we in the world? We are where we are in the world right now is that an emerging power has come across as a tainted source and the u.s as the major power that seems to now be deliberately trying to seed leadership in the world to you know as a, as a fading influence in the world is doing its best to uh, to say look every place else but us for for uh, blame are we going to get out of this situation with trading relationships intact now that we are getting a clearer picture of China, what are we going to do about it? What actions follow from being uh, clear that China is, as Mike Pompeo just described it, when in turn Mike Pompeo is, <laughs> is drawn under question for some of his, you know, his actions in firing the, mm-hmm. firing the inspector general that's investigating him. So we are not in a healthy situation in regards to coming out of this on the other side with clarity on international relations, international politics, and most importantly of all, international health. You're listening to the Scott Thompson Show podcast on 900 CHML. Is China a friend of Canada? I mean, previous to COVID-19, I mean, especially with the statements from people like John McCallum and such, I mean, you know, and I've even heard a journalist say yesterday, this isn't soft diplomacy, this is suck-up diplomacy. Um, That being said, is China our friend? China is China's friend. And they have taken actions which clearly are inimical to a Western democratic ethos, starting with our own. They are also taking very specific actions against Canada. The artificial arrest of basically the hostage diplomacy they are undertaking we should not be ignoring uh, the fact that they've acted in, in massive ways on human rights uh, issues, including on the Uyghurs. And there's a, you know, we talk about the two Michaels, but Hussein mm-hmm. Shalil, a Uyghur Canadian, has been in jail for a long time. Um, are they a friend of ours? What about Huawei? We are, uh, and the government's taking a lot of uh, heat on this, we are dithering on whether to say yes or no on Huawei, but they, remember, have a couple of our hostages. And that hostage diplomacy that we are feeling is a pattern around the world. Denmark is, or Sweden has just had a, a taste of it, as has Japan and Korea earlier. So they are not a friend of, of Canada's as a friend. Do we have interest where we have to take them into account? Yes, they are still a huge trading uh, nation. Are we going to come out of this on the other side where Canadians, let me put a, a point on this that I don't think has come out sufficiently, when we decide that the unhealthy globalization of the past has led to not only the rise of populism saying this kind of globalization doesn't work for us, but we also don't have the capacity at home, economic capacity, to produce the most elementary goods for our own safety, we have to rely on China. We're not going to do that again. And the U.S. is saying we're not going to do that again. And around the world, 
does that mean that Canadians are willing to pay much higher prices every time they go to a Canadian tire mm-hmm. on all the products currently being made in China? So we are not coming to grips with the reality that we are accepting China as, a, as less than a friend, but rather more as an adversary. And at the same time, we've erected uh, global chains around the world which rely on an emerging power like China. Uh, talking, and this is the last question here because we're short on time, but uh, how uh, Huawei's 5G, how can anyone in North America take this now? How, how does this even warrant a discussion at this point? Yes. Um, again, they've got the goods, uh, and they did it. Uh, if you take a look at what used to be Nortel, they probably did it the old-fashioned way. They ransacked Nortel, gutted it, and then we don't have a champion in this. We can pay a higher cost uh, economically uh, to not put ourselves at risk politically over over the 5G network, but we have to develop that capacity. I, I don't want to conclude without uh, one other uh, aspect of this that hasn't gained attention yet. As we deal with the situation of an emerging China that's, that is a, uh, an aggressive power and an unreliable partner we are, and a cyber threat to us as well, we are also facing a world where there's a nuclear dimension coming. The U.S. is pulling out after one after the other of the nuclear treaties. Our defense saying we aren't going to get in until China does. They're being left out of that, and we have to bring them in. And China saying, hey, that's an unequal treaty again. We're not going to do it. So we are into a much more uncertain world. Scott, as a result of what we see in front of us. Hmm. Elliot Tepper has been with us, Emeritus Professor of Political Science, Carleton University. Elliot, as always, thank you so much for the time. Much appreciated. Be well. And to you. The Scott Thompson Show, weekdays from noon to 3 on 900 CHML.